0: Once again and welcome to our unlucky 13th episode, I'm your host Andy Corrigan and with me as always is Ginny Wu.
1: Hey Andy, how's it going?
0: Not too bad. And our resident breakdancer, Andrew Brown.
2: My head hurts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what have you guys been up to this week?
1: Just a lot of Zelda DLC, Um, trying a little bit of the Mario and Rabbits DLC as well. Just catching up on DLC. So much stuff has come out with one day's notice. It's actually quite ridiculous.
2: I know you guys are in a different region from me, so maybe you didn't have this experience, but there were so many new games on the eShop this week on Thursday, it almost drove all of Tuesday's new games off of the front page. I've been trying to play as many of them as I can, so I'll be talking about that this week.
1: (laughs) Nice.
0: In, In stark contrast, I've played and bought nothing... Uh, I've just been going through some old stuff uh, Some of which we can talk about And there's of course a a new demo that's exciting At least two of our panellists So we'll get into updates from last week's episode first Andrew has been battling the undead hordes In Resident Evil Revelations 1 I believe you've beaten it, is that correct?
2: I did beat it Monday night Uh, It still really holds up as a game If you told me it was a console game And not a portable game originally I would totally believe you Uh, because the controls adapt really well, and the production values and the story are actually pretty well console quality as far as the Resident Evil series goes. Uh, There's a really good plot twist in Chapter 6. I don't want to tell you, I don't want to spoil it, because it's a really good plot twist, but unless you're really paying attention, you won't even see it coming, but it does suffer from from some plot twist fatigue especially when you get to the last chapter and it feels like everything is wrapped up but then you go and you fight this final boss that like if unless you're really paying attention and you're really thinking about what's going on it doesn't really make sense why you're going there to fight it uh so there's still some difficulty there as far as just the general roughness the resident evil series plot usually has I should have talked about this last week, especially with the little rant that I had about Pira. so it, w- it would be remiss of me not to mention this, but the Jessica and Rachel character models are they're pretty lamentable, especially Jessica who spends most of the game running around in a wetsuit that doesn't have one leg and it's cut clear up to her thigh.
0: I remember that.
2: (laughs) It'd be pretty useless as a wetsuit, because uh, uh, half her body is hanging out of it, but at least you can see her bare butt, so I guess that makes it okay. I I don't know. Uh, So (laughs) uh, I wish those weren't there, but they are. And What the heck, just play Revelations 2. It's a better game anyway.
0: One update I had is that I finally got around to playing Implosion Never Lose Hope, which is a fairly basic hack-and-slash game. Uh, I believe it was a mobile game first. You can tell it was a mobile game because it's like super short levels, it's not very complex, and the progression system... And I feel like I could be wrong on this, but it feels like it was largely tied to microtransactions in other versions and then isn't here. Uh, so it, it's sort of... It's very uh, sketchy as to whether what you're doing makes any any difference or not to me, but... Okay, the the su- story is surprisingly alright. It's a little near-like where humans have been forced off Earth, ousted by alien forces. And instead of returning first-hand, they use remote mechs to go down and battle the aliens for them. I've spent, like, 90 minutes on it this morning. Got through two of what I believe are four chapters. Uh, so it seems like a pretty short game as well. It's okay. I don't love it. I don't hate it either. But, uh, yeah... I'll I'll see how I go with the rest of that, and fill you in next time. Sweet. And now for the latest Switch news. So after Resident Evil Revelations Collection finally hit the Switch, it seems like Capcom are making good on their promise to support the system more. They have announced that the both that both Mega Man collections one and two are coming in 2018, as well as the latest iteration in the Mega Man series. Mega Man 11. Now, I, for one, am super excited about this, especially as a, a huge fan of the Nezira games. It's a you know good old classic tough but fair platformer. Are you too excited for this?
1: I haven't played much Mega Man, but I'm just more positive about, I guess, this whole thing because I can see it as a sign that Capcom is coming around, and so hopefully other games I am into will come to the Switch. Um, I think I played Mega Man once on a plane when I was growing up, when it was called Rockman. I played the Asian version of it, or the Japanese version of it. Um, and it was fun for the 15-hour plane ride from Singapore to London. Um, but it hasn't really stuck with me, so I can't say that I am going to enjoy it from a nostalgia point of view. But I mean, it looks good. I do enjoy platformers, and if they release like new Joy-Cons for it, it seems like it's going to be quite a big release. I'm sure I'll pick them up, so we'll see how it goes.
2: The only Mega Man games I've played extensively have been the very first Battle Network game and Wily's Revenge on Game Boy, so uh, I'm not super into the series, but maybe this will be what changes that, because I I am interested in getting them. I just hope that they don't all come out on the same day, because that will be Mm -hmm. quite overwhelming. (laughs)
0: It's
2: (laughs) Tuesday, and I've got 25 new Mega Man games to be awesome thank you capcom
0: <laughs> uh moving on uh, a portal game has been announced for switch but it's not the portal game we had all hoped for mm. uh portal bridge constructor so it's a bridge building game using the portal mechanics the blue and orange portals uh i guess i kind of have an interest i'll take it
1: um i am not so keen mainly because i was disappointed it wouldn't be an actual portal game i mean i'd even take a port of portal 2 at this point on the switch like i'm not even kidding um it looks cute um not really my thing um in terms of bridge constructing games and those coming out on the switch poly bridge will come out soon as well and i think that's the best bridge constructing game out there so if it's coming to the Switch sooner than Portal Bridge Constructor, I have zero interest in the Portal version.
2: I've also had my eye on Polybridge. Bridge. Uh, when I saw the video for it, the trailer, I was like, that looks really cool. So, you know, if Polybridge is good, and Valve wants to put out uh, Poly Bridge with portals in it, you know, I'm not going to complain about that. So <laughs> I'm getting two games that look cool.
0: I'm fine with that i am hoping it's just a hint that portal might come at some point, Yeah, I, love same. I need it uh moving on uh ukulele is is this out in some regions now?
2: I don't believe so. it comes out next no. week, I think, in all regions ah okay, yeah.
0: I keep seeing people on my Twitter feed downloading it um they may have been putting out codes for it to people maybe yeah i, yeah, think so. I, I sus I suspect so um it has a price. 40 bucks us oh. 60 bucks in au mm-hmm. in dollar it is yeah it's a digital release only um now we've got a question here if you were to want it in the first place would the price be a deterrent um i don't know i i, I just have had no interest in it at all so it's hard to say
1: i mean For me personally, knowing that it's a lot cheaper on a different console that probably most of us already have, I probably wouldn't, um, if this were my first time playing and I really wanted the game, I would just get it on a much more cost-efficient console. Um, Because it does seem a little steep, as someone who's already played it before, I think the $60 price tag, well, above $60 price tag, because our currency I think is a little bit weaker than Australia, I think, at time of recording. Um, It's a little steep for me. So yeah, if I were to want it in the first place, this price is putting me off. Um, but the fact that it's out there on many other consoles for cheaper means that you can probably still access the game. Just don't pay $60 for it if you're living in Australia or New Zealand.
2: Yeah, as our listeners probably know by now, I, I have a cut off on digital-only games. If it's higher than $25, I'm not paying for it. So uh, this would be a tough sell for me. Uh, I'm interested. Uh I honestly haven't decided yet, because knowing it's going to be a digital-only release, it's never going to see a physical release on Switch, at least that's what it's sounding like. I may not have a choice. Uh, I definitely want to own this game on Switch, not on another platform, so I may be sitting on my hands waiting for a sale price, or we may sit down to next week's recording and I'll have bought the game already. (laughs) I have not decided yet.
0: Um, next up, new items and Twitch Prime emotes available for Pokemon Tournament DX. Uh now this was a game I because I criminally underplayed it on Wii U and I'm still criminally underplaying it. <laughs> I didn't even know this this was a thing.
1: Well, I think these are cool. Um I've redeemed pretty much all the in game cosmetics you can redeem um for Pokemon Tournament. Like there's a million and one costumes that I've redeemed and i mean i love costumes Uh, it looks like the new ones that are coming as part of this twitch prime thing include female and male cat whiskers which i think are personally very adorable and other holiday themed items so i'm happy for it i love cosmetics in pretty much any and all my games so i'll be downloading them and i don't know if i can use those emotes um if i'm not on a twitch prime account in japan but it's great that they're there I mean, I'm Team Pokemon. Go for it.
2: (laughs) I just added this to the show notes just in case there were any Pokken fans out there who maybe hadn't heard about this because it didn't seem like it got great coverage. So, like, unless you're lurking in the Pokken Reddit, maybe you missed this. So, just for your information, this has happened.
0: Cool beans. Uh, something else that is happening is that Shantae Half Genie Hero is getting a limited physical run. Mm-hmm. Uh, something Andrew, I'm sure, is interested in with his thirst for physical games.
2: We'll see. Uh, they're they're calling it Day One Edition, which is hilarious to me because Half Genie Hero has been out for years. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the heck that is supposed to mean. Uh, but I I already have. They did. I already have half genie hero digitally so and it's a good game don't get me wrong but it's not the best way forward game i've played so buying it again just to have it physically would be a very low priority for me
0: outlast one and two scheduled for a quarter one release next year hi mm-hmm. uh, i have this on ps plus never got around to it it's always interested me uh whether i play that on switch or not i don't know i mean it could be good if you're playing it portably with headphones and You'd get stuck in the atmosphere, but either of you too interested in this one?
1: Um, not particularly. I don't even know if I can play it in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> I think it might have been one of the games that we banned. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's not really my kind of horror games. So I wouldn't be picking it up, but I think it's good that there's a bigger spread of genres coming to the Switch. Clearly with the Resident Evil games and now with Outlast. Maybe even, I guess, if they make a new Outlast game if that comes to Switch... Um, from the outset, we'll see, I think, a real exodus or a real effort to port more of these horror games and other more mature titles to the Switch, which is quite good.
2: I've not played many of these games of this this kind of genre of, I guess you could call them adventure games, where every so often you're menaced by a monster who will kill you in one hit if he sees you. There's a bunch of games out like this, like now, that all follow this basic formula. The ones I've played, I'm not, I haven't enjoyed very much, uh, but. The one I would really be interested in playing is Soma, because the story mm. in that one sounds really good. Uh, but I, I would give Outlast 1 and 2 a chance, because this seems to have been the game that kind of launched that mini-genre, so it's pretty cool that it's coming to the Switch. Uh,
0: in the week of one-day advance notice on releases and updates, uh, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle now has local competitive multiplayer. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Uh Not something I'll delve into too much. I still haven't finished the campaign. Me either. (laughs) To my shame.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. Um, I've tried it out with the flatmate. Um, It is just basically that um, P1 versus P2, you kind of duke it out on a standard map. Um, (laughs) Not much to say about it. I mean, it's good that this DLC, what I call it a DLC, it's actually an update that's free for everyone. It's good that they're making all these things available, but I kind of feel like it should have had that multiplayer mode on release, um, and I kind of felt that way about some of the Zelda DLC, but we'll get to that later. Um, all in all, uh, it seems like content that should have been there. I'm glad it's there, but also, why don't we get it sooner?
0: Okay, uh, now one that got both me and Ginny very excited was the Lost Sphere demo that appeared on the, the shop this week. Uh, I've been playing it. So it's by Tokyo RPG Factory. This is the same developer as I am Setsuna. The demo doesn't do a great job of explaining the setting or the world. It starts mid-story. Some of its mechanics aren't explained that that brilliantly, but you seem to be mercenaries working with uh, a sketchy empire. And uh, this is due to your ability to restore elements of the world based on memories. Uh, Like Setsuna, it's a classic style top down affair, obvious homage to 90s Squaresoft games. Uh the low polygonal graphics aren't gonna blow anyone's socks off, but it's <laughs> more about the art style and the colour palette and I, I really love it for that. Um, it makes a nice contrast to Setsuna's bleak grey and white snowy landscapes. Uh, and seems to have a bit more colour and life about it, although the demo did only show like the deserty area, so that, that colour <laughs> is only brown in the yeah. in this instant. <laughs> Uh, the combat plays out similarly to I Am Setsuna, but there's a lot more freedom in terms of your movement and positioning for attacks. Not to mention the combos you can perform between party members. It's still a bit like uh, Chrono Trigger, for those who like that comparison for I Am Sitsuna. Uh It seems a lot more tactical, which is right up my alley. And also, like I Am Setsuna, it doesn't seem very grindy, which delights me, because as much as I adore grindy RPGs like Xenoblade... Sometimes it's just nice to be able to flow through a story and not have to get stuck because you're not powerful enough. And certainly in the case of I Am Satsuna it meant that the challenge came more in combat tactics rather than simply hitting a level where enemies couldn't deal with you anymore. I can't think of a better RPG to sandwich between Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and Project Octopath Traveler. Good soundtrack too as well. It's very different to that uh, piano soundtrack from Satsuna 2. Well, what were your thoughts on this one, Ginny?
1: Um, pretty similar. Um, at first I was a little bit sceptical. Um, I think, as you mentioned, the incredibly barren, sandy landscape um, and how you were sort of thrown to things without any ceremony. Um, it kind of didn't feel too distinct from I Am tetsuna when I was just playing through the beginning of it and then I got lost for about 45 minutes um, because I'm geographically incapable. So <laughs> I think that dampened my enjoyment of the demo a bit, but Having since completed it and stepped away from my failure to move around the map in a timely fashion, um, I really enjoy it. Um, I think the combat definitely feels more fine-tuned. Everything definitely just feels like they've had a second go at making I Am Setsuna in a different location and different themes, and it just kind of feels like take two. Um, But the sort of bad thing, because I think the formula for I Am Setsuna was almost perfect. I loved it. And the fact that they've improved on all the elements that I enjoyed in Lost Sphere, at least from the demo, is good. Um, from what Andy was saying in the combat improvements, what I really enjoy now is how you can actually see a very, very clear indicator um, in terms of like AOE effects and character effects. And how that will play out when you select a certain move for your character. So you can kind of like see like a little ghosts of them running around the map where your attack will be and you can reposition as needed and trigger combos that way. So I think that's really quite cool. Um, it had a really unexpected modern touch. I was expecting a very sort of, I guess, high fantasy, magic-focused RPG. And then we've got Vulko suits, which are like these mechanical Gundam things, which is quite cool. I enjoy my mechs, but it was an unexpected surprise, and they definitely feel a lot more powerful. I actually felt like we were a bit too powerful for the enemies that we were fighting in the demo, not just because of how they scaled us up for that particular section, what progression would be like during the game, but I felt like we were a little too OP um, to fully feel challenged by the combat, but it was enough time for me to learn how to pull off combos and learn how everything works, so I enjoyed that. Um, the plot seems to be drawn, at least from what we can see, from a similar sort of narrative skeleton. So, like, the characters have a little bit of a moral quandary about what they're doing, um, and if the actions are right or good, and how there's, like, a sort of underlying conflict between major parties... In the game world so very standard jrpg stuff but as andy said it will tide me over hopefully between now and when project octopath comes out so i'm definitely very excited and the demo is really great so if you liked i am Vina or you're a jrpg fan in general please 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 pick this up you won't regret it
0: during this week's jeff keely ego circus they announced that the champions ballad dlc for breath of the wild released that day they pulled a Sega Saturn I saw Andrew losing his mind about it on Twitter <laughs> uh, I was excited but it's very likely I'm not going to get a chance to play this until well into next year I still haven't found all the shrines uh, um, but there's some co- some interesting looking stuff uh, like Link now has a Guardian built technology driven dirt bike Yes, which is interesting I guess So, who's been playing it, and tell me all about it.
1: Um, Well, I am sure Andy's been playing it, um, judging by Twitter, and I also have been playing it, and I am digging it. Um, Although, one thing I must say is I kind of feel like the story content that the Champions Ballad DLC has, mainly the backstories of the Champions, I feel like that should have all just been in the main game. Um, I mean, Link is great, Um, Zelda, great, but I just feel like learning about these champions and having these scenes that we get to experience in the DLC in their main game would have made me feel so much more emotion or feel so much more connected to them when I was undergoing the Divine Beast quest because after a while, I kind of felt like they were just, oh, just another dungeon, just another inconveniently large mechanical animal I need to get through. Um... So I kind of feel like I wish this content would have been in the main game. I mean seeing the childhoods of the various um of the various champions and people that are important to them would have been really, really powerful. But that aside, um, there's tons of other extra content which is obviously not just main story esque content. There's a lot of cosmetics to find, a lot of costumes, there's ancient horse gear. Which are, which is really cool. It makes your horse look like a robotic death horse of doom. Um, and it gives it sort of more more spurs. So if you have the royal steed, you can run around pretty much all day. Enough to worry about maintaining your stamina or your spurs. Um, one thing I will say, someone took a big break from the game. Um, and obviously didn't expect DLC to be out the day that it was announced. It was really hard for me to find all the new character stuff. Because I just forgot where all the major landmarks are. Let alone like, you know the the hill near the south of the ridge surrounded by the flowers and i was like where is this place like what is this ridge what am i doing and so that was initially quite frustrating but once you find a few pieces of gear you get back to the whole like zelda riddle feel and everything kind of comes around well it's good um i still don't have the master cycle zero though i know andrew has this um, and it looks really cool, but I don't know if that's because I haven't experienced it yet um, that I feel like it looks cool than it actually is. I've seen some videos. Um, what's your consensus about the Master Cycle Zero and the DLC, Andrew?
2: I started off by looking for all of the equipment that had been added, uh, including the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 costume, which I hadn't actually uh, picked up yet. Uh, I didn't have too much of a problem remembering where locations were at, but I think that's just because I played this game probably more than both of you two combined have done. Probably, Uh, yeah. I I was quite determined to find all of the shrines without using a guide, so, and the first couple months the Switch was out, I played this pretty much every day, uh, so I know the world quite well. So I had no problems... Deducing where the items are at based on the hints it gives you, I did have problems with the hints themselves, which is why it took me 5 hours to find all of the equipment before I even started the actual new content. Like one of the uh one of the pieces of Phantom Ganon armor is at the top of the tallest of three waterfalls north of Lake Floria. There are more than three waterfalls north of Lake Floria. <laughs> So and the the chest is hidden next to one that is not the tallest waterfall next to Lake Floria. So it took <laughs> me it took me quite some time to find that one. Uh, and uh, also, there's another new armor set that's all hidden inside Hyrule Castle. And one of the hints you get is it's on the second floor. And if you've been in Hyrule Castle, you will tell immediately from that clue how worthless that hint is. So that one took me quite some time to find as well. Uh, So all in all, it took me about five hours to find everything. Uh, I think definitely the coolest new pieces of equipment is uh, the ancient horse armor bridle because you can use it to summon your horse anywhere. It gives your horse fast travel, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's it's awesome. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you where it's at because it's... As far as I'm concerned, it's essential equipment. It's by uh, the shrine where you can resurrect your horse. So if you know where that is at, head over there, grab your new saddle, because it's going to make your horse so much more convenient to use. Uh, Then I started the game itself, which sends you back to the shrine of resurrection after you've beaten all four of the divine beasts. And this is where my main problem with it is. Uh, And actually, this is my complaint about most of the Zelda DLC that's come out, is it's not terribly useful equipment. Like, all of the armors that they've added in the game so far, they look cool, but they're weak compared to the items you get in the core game. And by the time that you have gotten them, they're probably completely useless to you. And even if you're starting a new game, the effort it takes you to go and find them... By the time you get them, they're probably not useful to you either, because they got low armor values, and if you wear them, you're probably going to die. And Mm -hmm. all they do is do stuff that equipment that's already in the core game already does. So it's mostly fan service stuff, basically. So that's a little disappointing. And that goes to to the Champion's Ballad as well. Obviously, I don't want to say the whole point is the Master Cycle 0, but... Because the whole point is, you get more Zelda stuff, and Zelda's a great game. But the Master Cycle Zero comes so late on that basically all you can do with it is find any shrines that you have that are still missing. And that's kind of disappointing to me. But after you've beaten all four of the Divine Beasts, then... You go back to the shrine of resurrection and it gives you four new shrines to find on the island which is actually really cool and there's a challenge mode you have to do it too because you have to do it all without getting hit once which is uh no mean feat even though it gives you an item that can also kill enemies in one hit it's basically a super long stealth mission it took me about two hours to finish it and then once that's done then you unlock four new monuments all over the map that represent each of the champions and they open up hidden challenges, and you have to actually look at a little screenshot of the map and determine where on the world you're actually supposed to go to to find three different challenges for each champion. And once you finish all three of their challenges, you get a new cutscene with them. And this is where the stuff that Ginny was talking about with the new cutscenes is all of these new cutscenes are just Zelda and the champion. Link is not in them. <laughs> so he's he's not in there... Sucking the charisma out of the room because he's just this guy who stares at people <laughs> uh, you get oh, with the God. the focus entirely on who Zelda and who these champions were before they were the champions, it just it adds more character development to the story. And like already, like Zelda was the most interesting character, the DLC just adds even more to that and all the stuff that was implied about the, the champions in their cutscenes really gets developed more so i really wish that this stuff had been in the core game because it really helps to add to the richness of these characters but this this is how it is and you know for a lot of people they're gonna be playing this game for the first time this christmas they're not even going to know the difference and it's great for them uh, then after you finished all four of the champions, you get unlock one final area, which I don't want to spoil because it's a pretty cool area. And also there's one final boss, which was totally unexpected. It's a really cool boss. Then you unlock the Master Cycle Zero. I was pretty underwhelmed by it. Uh, we all know that the big claim to fame of Breath of the Wild is the physics system and how everything in the game is ruled by its physics system and that's where all the puzzles come from that's why the game is great as it is is because the physics system lets you find your own solutions to all the problems the master cycle zero is very much ruled by this physics system as well unfortunately it handles like one of the boulders Uh, it doesn't go very fast (laughs) it can't jump very high you have to feed it items to drive it uh i haven't fully worked out how that mechanic works because i summoned it and I tried to, like, okay, where, to, where do I put the fuel in? I thought, it like, maybe it would use uh, guardian parts to power it. I don't know. All I know is uh, I'm not going to have to worry about it because I drove that thing for, like, two minutes. And I'm like, I'm done. I'd rather just use a horse than this thing because it's <laughs> slow. Uh, you, can, you can pop wheelies on it, which is fine, but you don't go very fast. So, like, if you're imagining, like, everybody was talking about Mario Kart with this thing because it is the master cycle from Mario Kart. But if you're imagining you're going to be tearing around the world, power sliding around quarters, doing flips off of cliffs and things, you're not. Because it it, it is not like that at all. It is this little moped that you putter around on. So I'm really sorry if you were really excited by the Master Cycle, if this is deflating you, but this is just the reality of what it is uh, it is not going to turn hyrule into a dirt bike track it's just it's not
0: but to cheer people up after andrew's depressing rent there it did win game of the year at the game awards yay, yay!
1: Ooh, and you can have a robot horse yay
0: uh also big news from the video game awards was that uh reggie very casually announced that Bayonetta 1 or 2 is coming to Switch next February. I am supremely excited to play these games, the first one again, a the, the third time really. Uh, I absolutely love Bayonetta it, as a series, it's in my, my top 10 easily. But there was more goodness, they also announced that 3 is in development and is a Switch exclusive. Mm-hmm. Give me your reactions.
1: Um, well mine was an excited scream which I won't replicate for the podcast. Um, but Bayonetta is amazing. Um, as per Andrew's comments from last week about Bayonetta being a great, strong female character, um, I've always felt that way about her. And she's been a bit of a character that I always looked up to anyway in terms of how she's been represented and received. So the fact that we're getting a Bayonetta 1 and 2 again at the Switch, yay, I'll play them again. And the fact that 3 isn't exclusive is just great because that just gives sorry it just shows that people are having more faith in the console and if we keep getting these franchises revived i mean i'm all for it there are other franchises out there that i think are not on their last legs yet um someone bring back chocobo dungeon or something (laughs) like i want to see that come to switch as an exclusive but chocobo racer i'm really pleased yes (laughs) i'm really pleased
2: I've only played Bayonetta 1 on the 360. Uh, I did get Bayonetta 2 on Wii U, but I unfortunately waited so long that it was after Bayonetta 1 was no longer being offered with it as a bundle, uh, and that kind of deflated me on the whole experience. I'm terrible at Bayonetta because I'm just, I'm just terrible at those kind of games, but I still really enjoyed it. Uh, so come February, I will definitely be replaying Bayonetta 1 and 2, and Bayonetta 3 will be a day one purchase for me. No problem, just because I really admire that character and I want to support it, especially since the way Bayonetta 2 sold, mostly because it was on Wii U, but the way Bayonetta 2 sold, the fact that we're getting 3 at all, that's a miracle. So we've got to support this.
0: And lastly, Romancing Saga 2 is launching worldwide on December 15th. Uh, Meanwhile, the Secret of Mana trilogy is still missing in action, still only available in Japan at this point. I'm actually tempted to import that just for the collection. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I guess it's because this is a, a port of Romancing Saga 2 remaster that was already out on mobile platforms. So I guess that makes it easier because they already had an English translation available. But the more I see Square putting out ports of games and the more that they are not secret of mana just because apparently they've never translated and Densensu 3, the more frustrated I become.
1: Um, I don't have any particular thoughts on Romancing Saga 2, and would really prefer to have Secret of Mana out, so um, similar to Andrew, really.
0: Okay, so let's move on to this week's releases, and boy is it a big one. Mm -hmm. As far as we can tell, there have been 22 new entries on the eShop this week. Uh, That might differ depending on your region, because we think we've got some crossover. As Andrew mentioned earlier, so many games launched on Thursday that it almost pushed Tuesday's releases off the front page, which is mad. But let's just run through the list. We'll give you an idea of what they're about if we know about them, and tell you what we're interested in, and go through what we've played. Uh, First up is Red Game Without a Name. There's Akon Tactics, which we mentioned in last week's segment. I think that came out in Australia, but not the US. It's out in the US now. So it's a bite-sized strategy game. Either of you too interested?
1: Yeah, I am, but just no time at the moment to play it, but that's on my to-come-back-to list for sure.
2: I saw it, I wasn't sure if it was actually a strategy game or if it was a tower-defense game, because it kind of looked like both, so <laughs> I, I'm still confused as to what this game even is.
0: It's it's like a more forgiving XCOM, Okay. apparently. Uh, we've also got WWE 2K18. Announced with Yon. one day notice. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would exciting if it didn't suck horrendously so we've also got caveman warriors Uh, this is a a local co-op platformer no interest in this one neither are you two
1: not really um I'm actually kind of sad that it isn't a Warriors game about tribes with cavemen, because that would be really fun. That would be
0: awesome!
1: Um, I know! that You could have dinosaurs and everything and just. Anyway, Caveman Wars itself kind of reminds me of Castle Crashes. It has sort of the same art style and vibe, but it is a local co op platformer. So, it's like, I guess if you have mates that you want to play this game with, like Castle Crashes, go for it. Otherwise, I mean, not really huge on my radar. Uh,
0: human Fall Flat, a physics puzzler. We've got Vostok Inc, which is a twin-stick shooter cross greedy CEO simulator. Uh, Slain, Back from Hell. Dimension Drive, that looks like a, a space shooter of some some format. Uh, Phantom Breaker Battlegrounds, which is a, a spin-off of another game called Phantom Breaker. Um,
1: it looked interesting. Um, is usually my kind of game. But I will mention that it's looking like, at least on Twitter... That while the game is being advertised as having online multiplayer, it doesn't have online multiplayer. It's just currently local multiplayer at the moment. So if you're getting it, relying on playing the game with other people online, um, maybe just hold off on that. Um, It is like a traditional beat-em-up game, which is what the regular Phantom Breaker games are like. So if you like cute um, anime-style beat-em-ups, then this is the game for you. Um, Otherwise, you know it probably will have a bit more of a niche audience compared to this week's releases.
0: It, it looks a little like the Scott Pilgrim game, which was awesome, but that's the only reason I'd, I'd have any interest in that one. Mm. Uh, we've also got Top Hunter and Kathy, which is another Neo Geo game. Your Yodanji. Now, I had this pegged as one for Andrew because it looks a lot like Crested Dungeons, but with a, a Japanese vibe.
2: Yeah, when I looked at the screenshots of it, it looks cool, but I, I did not end up buying it this week i might pick it up at a later date but uh there's too much other stuff i am working on right now to add another roguelite that will take me hundreds of hours to beat to it
1: yeah um i've played it um definitely no when near beating it <laughs> um it is tough but fair i think in my experience it really nails that sort of japanese creepy cute aesthetic you basically play as a as one of many kinds of yokai so those are japanese folklore spirits And the game will sort of tell you about your main character's lore and what they do and what their powers are. And then it will shove you into a really, really stripped down mystery dungeon. So it's a very traditional roguelike, as Andy has already said. Um, I found resource management really important, Um, but in general, really cute. Um, I think for me, average playthrough probably goes for about seven minutes. I'm not particularly adept, though, um, at this genre, so that could be why. But it has been described by others as a coffee break roguelike. So if you want something to pick up and put down a short burst, this is the one for you. It's really cute and pretty fulfilling.
0: Cool. We've also got Riptide GP Renegade, which could be one for fans of Wave Race 64 and, and its ilk. Uh, Embers of Mirim, an adventure platformer set in an alien invasion. That looked interesting. Uh, my favorite title of the week is Tennis in the Face, uh, which looks like a tennis-based puzzler. Uh, We have Touch Battle Tank SP um, and Plantera. This is like a garden growing simulator. Anyone seen this one?
2: I looked at screenshots of it and it looks like a bit of a mess as far as the interface goes.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) Um, I've got it. It's basically a game where you grow a garden or a fruit orchard of some sort. So you can play it almost like an idle game to some extent, because even if you're just not touching it, things will happen in the game. You know, your trees will grow fruit and stuff like that. So you plant trees, you introduce animals to your ecosystem, pick the fruit that falls off the trees. How is EXP? and I to plant more trees and get more animals? So it's not got particularly in-depth gameplay, but it's, I find that's quite relaxing. Um, good for a quick stress reliever, and it's priced appropriately for that. Um, but I think if you're going to pick up a game in that price range, your Danji is probably a lot more hands-on and probably give you more bang for your buck than Plantera. But if you want a cute, relaxing game, why not? Some people like that stuff.
0: Cool. We've also got Gunbird, uh, Plague Road, Teslagrad. Uh, I know this is very popular, but I haven't had much exposure to it. Uh, Andrew, I believe you've beaten it before.
2: Yeah, I have it on PS Plus Instant Games Collection, and I just played it on... Actually, I let uh, a random number generator decide what game I was going to beat next a few years back, and this was the game it chose. Uh, it's a pretty cool game. It's one of the uh, indie platformers where like, you go through the world solving puzzles, just part of that genre. But uh, In this one, all the puzzles are focused on electromagnetism, so you use those to get through the rooms, but then they're also all kinds of cards hidden across the world and you need to find all of the cards in order to get the real ending. And I think it's really well animated. It's a really smart uh, physics platformer. I think my favorite thing that it does is it actually tells its story completely without dialogue. And like when you get to like the act breaks, you'll find little theaters where it'll show you uh, what happened in this kingdom that you're exploring the castle like the capital of and there was some pretty messed up stuff that happened in this kingdom but it's all told through like these pantomime mechanical characters and these little theaters and it's a pretty cool game just to see how you can tell a story completely without dialogue
0: i think it'd be a must buy for me if i didn't have a million other things to play yeah
2: i mean i would have bought it this week if i hadn't bought three other games as well and i'd already beaten this one so that that was the only reason that i didn't buy it
0: I've got, like, 100 hours of JRPG and miscellaneous other games to get through, so it's fine. I'll get to it at some point. Uh, We had had a a listener comment from this one. Craigie Craig says that it's pretty rad, Uh, lots of little puzzles around magnetism, and it has a wonderful style. Moving on, uh, The Sexy Brutale, a never-ending masked ball featuring intrigue, murder, and possibly the occult. Andrew, this is one of the, the three you picked up.
2: Yeah, uh... Friend, This is made by former Lionhead developers, and a friend of mine is also a former Lionhead developer, and he's been pushing me to play this game for a while, so I did pick it up day one. Uh, I I'm in love with what this game is about and what this game is trying to do, because at the start, you wake up and you're this character who's wearing this mask in this mansion, and this girl appears before you who has bleeding hair, and she gives you a pocket watch that lets you reset time uh, in a 12-hour period. And she says, you have to save all the people in this mansion. All the guests in this mansion are about to be killed by the staff. And you have to go through and you have to save them. And it introduces you to each murder victim or sometimes victims individually and like in little levels or in little act breaks. So like in the first one, you have to save this guy who is about to be uh, killed with a rifle by one of the staff of the mansion that you're in and once you save him he fixes your pocket watch so that way you can actually do the full 12-hour cycle instead of just a a really quick tutorial five-hour cycle and then in the next one you after you save the next victim you can like enhance your hearing so that way you can hear more of what's going on behind doors and it lets you access new areas and it just continues like that but the loop keeps repeating so like that that first guy you save who fixes your pocket watch so that you can do the full 12 hours, he still dies when you reset the cycle and you don't have time to save him because you've got to focus on the next person. And I I suspect when you get to the last cycle, it's going to be like a challenge mode where you have to save everybody in one go, something like that. I don't know because I didn't get there because on the Switch, this game has really, really bad technical problems. Like, uh, you're exploring this mansion and... Everything is happening simultaneously, like uh, the best example I could draw would be Majora's Mask. If people are familiar with how that game worked and why that game required the expansion pack on the Nintendo 64, it was because every character in that game had a schedule, and they went to certain areas at certain times of the day, and it took a lot of processing power to make that happen. Sexy Brutale does the same thing, and even though it's a much smaller environment, uh, it's still has a lot to keep track of and it buffers constantly maybe it did this in the pc version too but you'll enter a room and suddenly the game will just freeze and there'll be a a loading circle down in the corner that spins around while it catches up to where everybody is supposed to be at or it resets the game state to where it's supposed to be at because it lost track of it or something i don't know what it's doing but it's constantly stopping to load the game state and it's kind of immersion breaking because it happens so often it's really distracting i could live with that but the worst thing is the frame rate uh there's one large room uh i think it's the grand ballroom i think it's called when you go inside the frame rate was so bad in there it was actually physically painful for me to look at it it was just right in that sweet spot where it was between slideshow and watchable and it hurt my eyes to look at it and i'm I love what this game is trying to do, but unless it gets patched, and I'm going to keep an eye on it because I really do want to like this game, unless it gets patched, get it on PC, get it on one of the other platforms it's out for, do not buy it on Switch. I'm really sorry to my friend, I'm really sorry to the developers, but do not buy this game on Switch. I put up a video, as I always do with these new games on our YouTube channel, you can look at it there. Um it's it's really sad, but that's how it is.
1: Um, well I've played the PC version. Um and like Andrew, I really, really enjoyed the concept of the game. Um, the whole never ending mass ball with intrigue, murder and the occult. That's a very accurate description. Um, it kinda seems like a mixed bag if you haven't played the game and it kinda seems like, Oh, can a game really cover all this and deliver on it and it really does plot wise um but i think as andrew has said these technical problems kind of seem a bit overwhelming i have played it on pc can highly recommend the game so if you are a fan of the sexy brutal and you really want to pick it up you've never played it before um until these problems are resolved hopefully they are resolved i too would say pick it up on a different platform like the pc um it's really worth a shot though um it is incredible conceptually um and also i think the game has a really great curve in terms of difficulty Like, you kind of feel like you're thrown into the deep end when you first start, but it's not impossible to, I guess, find your feet and know what to do next. You can also play at your own pace, which is quite good. You never really feel like you're getting too frustrated, though you might fail your missions or acts quite often. So it's incredibly well structured narratively. So if you want to enjoy all the best of what the game has to offer, please play it on the PC.
2: Yeah, the the first mission after the tutorial, the first couple of victims you save after the tutorial, I actually saved them by accident. I I just <laughs> I was just pressing buttons just to yeah. see what would happen, and then suddenly I saved them. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the the third victim took me much longer to figure out. So I think that might have just been a, a fluke because that <laughs> happened.
0: <laughs> moving on we've got floor kids and this was one andrew was really excited about since it was first announced uh so it's a rhythm game based around breakdancing so break it down for us this is a rhythm game but
2: it's probably not like the rhythm games that i am familiar with where every level has a specific track that you follow through every song in this you freestyle through pretty much the whole thing so you can do whatever you want in it uh what this means is that uh Pretty much what you do is you follow the same goal through every mission and any strategy you use on the first song will also work for you on the very last song, which is kind of disappointing. So when I started it, on um, the first song I played I got three stars and then over like an hour I slowly worked myself up where I was learning the game mechanics where I could get five stars on a song. And then I went back and I redid all the levels, and I got five stars in all of them pretty much by just doing the exact same thing in every single song. Every song has the same tempo, uh, and every song is about two minutes long. So I'm, I'm sounding really down on all the games this week, and I really did like all the games I played this week, but they were all disappointments for me once I actually sat down to play them and in floor kids it's a really cool game to look at I think this would be a good game to show your friends and say look at this cool game look at this it's all hand-drawn art it's really well animated if you're into animation you should look at it one of the loading screens claims that every character and there's like eight characters has 200 different animations associated with them and there's like 16 moves they can move so most of that is transitions So, it's a fun game to look at, but the challenge is not there. Uh, I had completed the whole game in one night, in one sitting, basically, which, like, I can go back to the very first rhythm game I played, Guitar Hero. I still haven't finished that because there are songs that have me completely stuck. But in this game, what you do in the first song works in the last song as well. So, there's not much there as far as challenge, it's all style. If you're into that, I think you'll enjoy this. But if you're looking for a challenging rhythm game, this is not it.
0: How's the music, though? Because sometimes that can just be the difference. Like, So you just feel like you're bopping away and pressing buttons.
2: Uh, it's all... Uh, I'm not a music <laughs> professional, so I, I'm, I, I hesitate to say what the genre is. But it's all music by uh, Kid Koala, who is a very popular uh, dance DJ however they describe what their profession is the music is really good Uh, so if you're into the kind of music it has and you should probably just check out our first hour on the Switch Focus web YouTube page to decide if the music is something you're interested in Uh, you would also probably enjoy it for that
0: Uh, lastly we have Nine Parchments now we spoke about this in episode 12 after we all played the demo Uh, I was interested in it but I'm not buying it yet just because there's too much to play uh, Ginny, I believe you haven't got, had the time to pick it up or play it yet.
1: No, I haven't, but I've seen Andrew tweet about it and I really, really want to be the owl magician. So yeah. I'm sure I will at some point, but I need—I have this burning need to be a magic owl, so I'm sure I will play it at some point.
2: <laughs> yeah, the characters in... Hi, me again. I'm going to be talking about this because uh, I played a ton of games this week and nobody else did, but... <laughs> <laughs> the characters in Nine Parchments are really cool. Uh, you, you do start off with two fairly generic white kids but all the uh all the characters you unlock after that are really creative there's a there's a clockwork owl who is has lightning as his element there's a cat who specializes in dark magic uh i guess he he's a cat magician but i guess he was human at some point and he was turned into a cat and it doesn't really uh mention how that happened it's just how he is uh and like there's a another wizard is a character who always wears a mask and moonlights as the school's janitor. Uh, so it's got some cool characters in it, and it's it's got a pretty diverse roster in it, which I like to see. Um, in the lead up, I we've talked about this game, I think, in two past episodes, and I was describing it as looking like Diablo, and the character spells and abilities they really do look like they're taken. Directly from the wizard class in Diablo 3 So I was expecting that to be what the game was like like burning down just dozens if not hundreds of monsters at a time this is not what that game is This is a a far more technical game where you'll be fighting small packs of enemies and you've got to defeat them in the most efficient way possible without dying Uh, Really a much better way to think about this game is it's a twin stick shooter with bullet hell elements and the first night I was playing it, when I was trying to look come at it as a Diablo game, I was a little disappointed with it. But the second night, when I realized, oh, this is a bullet hell game, uh, I enjoyed it much more. Uh, but the online multiplayer—I I mentioned that I think this is going to be the first game I play exclusively online. Uh, the way it's designed is going to be a deterrent for that for me because I. I don't want to ascribe intention to the designers here, but I suspect that this game was designed with its online multiplayer with the PC platform in mind, because once you start an online multiplayer game, you have to keep playing that game online or else you have to start over from the first level. So I played the first night, I played it all online with other people, and I'll talk about how that experience was in a moment. But the second day I had it, I wanted to play it on the bus between work, as I do. Uh, uh, So I went to resume my game and said, you have to be connected to the internet to play this game. If you want to continue to play, you have to start over from level one on an offline game match. And it's like, no, thank you. I want to to continue the game I was playing. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you want to play this game undocked, away from an internet connection, that's the way you're going to be playing the game. If you're going to play the game at home, online multiplayer, that's the way you're going to be playing your game. You cannot mix and match unless you're willing to uh, reset your level progress. It keeps your character progress. It keeps your unlocks. But your level progress, you go back to level one, which is not ideal.
0: Uh, It kind of sucks, but I probably wouldn't be buying it with with multiplayer in mind. Yeah. yeah. Myself, anyway. Mm. Well,
2: as to the online multiplayer, uh, this game has no host functions, and it is super abusable. There is friendly fire in this game. Uh, you can change how the friendly fire works. You can change it so that way uh, when you hit somebody with friendly fire, like the damage is shared equally between each player. But if some, and there's a couple other friendly fire options you could turn on as well, but you cannot turn friendly fire off entirely. So if somebody comes into your game and they just want to spend the whole time killing you, they can't. And also the camera, where it's at on the screen, is based on where the characters are at. It's possible to move the camera by moving in one direction, and if another character is just, another player, is just standing around, whether they're AFK or whether they're deliberately trolling you, they will eventually be killed off and just teleport back to you. But then you're just leapfrogging through the whole level while you're dealing with this player who is not trying to help you at all. And there's no host options. If you're in there with... A player who is not trying to play the game but is playing their own game of just messing with your playtime messing with your free time messing with your valuable time there's nothing you can do about it but drop the game yourself and try again which i think in 2017 with everything that we now know about the way people behave online that there's no host options that i could find at least is pretty lamentable
0: that's disappointing
2: But as to the game itself, it is, once you appreciate it in the way the game is trying to be, as a bullet hell twin stick shooter, it's a really good game, actually. Uh, it's not the best game on Switch right now by any means, but it's a good way to spend your time, especially if you're into unlocking stuff, because there's a lot of stuff in this to unlock. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, hats, which you can loot from chests, which are all, yeah, which is all RNG, yeah uh, so you may feel different ways about that, but the hats are just, are purely cosmetic. But then there's staves you can unlock, and some of the staves are tied to quests, uh, some of them are tied to killing certain monsters in certain ways, like one of, the st- one of the staffs I found was held by a snowman who was being attacked by these little flamethrower guys, and I had to kill all the flamethrower guys while defending the snowman, and then I got the staff as a reward. And because I got that staff, which was an ice staff, later on in the game I encountered this statue who said oh you have this staff so now you get to do this quest and I would finish the quest and I unlocked a new character so yeah it, that's a pretty cool way to do that and I was yes. being I was being pretty diligent about completing quests as I found them uh, so I did unlock every character but one in one playthrough through the game so that's pretty nice uh, but if, if you're into unlocking stuff I think you would enjoy nine parchments I would appreciate seeing a level select Uh, Mm -hmm. basic, basically what you do is right now you play through the game in sequence. And if you want to go back to a previous level, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the game. It's not, yeah, it's not an inconveniently long game. I got through it in about six hours, but if you just like, if you just missed something, then going back for it is not easy. But I think what the game wants you to do is just play through the game and go back to the start, play through it again, and just let what happens happens. And there's different difficulty modes, like there's uh, the default mode, which has all preset monsters, and then there's a hard mode, which randomizes like everything in the game, so that way you're always getting a new experience, and you could run into a pack of monsters that can really screw you over. Uh, some of the monsters that I ran into, they were kind of annoying to fight because they had resistances and immunities to literally every element in the game, so that wasn't much fun. But that was the worst thing that happened to me while playing Nine Parchments.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sold on this, actually. Um, as I said before, I love cosmetic upgrades. I also love Diablo and I also love bullet hell games. So all the elements independently are exciting to me. Put them all together and I'm 100% sold. That and I can be an owl who can cast <laughs> spells. So this has pushed it up on my to-get list. Um, But it still will be a while before I can actually get to it because of my need to finish the Zelda DLC and the other games I've got on my plate. But I am very excited to play it when I do pick it up.
0: So this is part of the show where we usually tell you about what we're planning to play in the next week. Uh, This has been, however, our penultimate episode for the year so next week's will be our end of year celebration where we're going to talk about our game of the year and all the other things that we think need highlighting Uh, and then we're going to take a short break and we'll be back (laughs) mid-january
2: So thanks for listening to this episode of switch focus podcast if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on itunes it really helps us to get noticed you can also listen and subscribe on stitcher TuneIn, and other podcast services why not also check out our youtube channel where we regularly upload the first hour of many of the games we play Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. I am Andrew, I am at PlayCritically on Twitter, Andy is at Flame toast, and Ginny is at GinnyWoes.